Here we go. What's up, y'all? I am Chris Chouse, and this is Straight Chubb, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Headliners. Welcome back to the show. I am, of course, joined by my man, Chris Kennedy. What is going on, buddy? What is going on, dude? You know, just another another Tuesday. Um, it's been a week full of just nonstop pro days over at Headliner U. We've been just adding video after video after video. We're gaining subscribers. I mean, it's starting to really gain some traction here. I'm excited. Yeah, man, it's been a it's been a crazy couple of weeks, man. I mean, you're going crazy on the the breaking news pro day vids. We're dropping scouting reports. Those of you that still don't know, I'm I'm dropping the promo once again. Go over to the headliner you on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button. We're doing wonderful things over there. You guys won't be disappointed, man. We're here for the people and for the nation, and we're gonna do the work. I'm I'm telling you, it's it's a glorious glorious thing. Uh, you know, man, there's, there's, there's quite a few things we can discuss today. And I wanted to open up with the one that's, that's pressing all of a sudden. And it was the NFL extending the schedule, mm. and this is a big topic right now. And I am kind of on the fence with it. And I, I wanted to get your thoughts as well. Cause I mean, a lot of people still kind of up and down, having lots of players, having major opinion, like Alvin Kamara, for example, he's not happy with it. He was saying this is dumb as uh, ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I mean, uh, yeah. So, I mean, what's your initial gut feeling? I kind of want to hear what your thoughts are. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, from a fan's perspective, you love it because you get you get one extra week of, of football to watch, you know, um, for the players. I understand with their frustration, it's, it's one extra week of work. It's one extra week of potentially getting a serious injury, you know, that could either have a big impact on your career or to a lesser extent on your season. You know, maybe you get injured in, in week 17. And you're not able to play for the during the playoffs. Um, I can also see from those that work in the football industry, whether you know with football directly or through fantasy football, it's one more week of work and one more week of of everything else and in, in numbers and stats and analytics to look at. So I get I get both sides of it, uh, but it it definitely benefits the fans the most because they get one extra week of just enjoyment of the NFL. Enjoyment. We love the football. I love the football. This is a tough one for me because already the biggest problem I have is the injuries, like you said. So we can barely make it through a full season with a team with fully fully healthy. I mean, we had uh, guys like – we keep harping on the guy, and I feel bad. It is uh, Tyler Hineke. Heineke. I mm-hmm. mean, when he's your starting quarterback and, like, the Cowboys had, like, a, a trio of people throwing the football from their, uh, from their quarterback room – I mean, this is a major concern, and I think this is kind of where the players are kind of moving toward. It's saying, okay, fine, you're removing a preseason contest, so now you only have three instead of four. You'll add one of those games to the regular season, but now here's the other thing, your injuries, and then I believe they stated that your paycheck as an NFL player now is just going to be split over those 17 games without really getting a raise. So can we say, I mean, in, in, in regular circumstances, that's a pay cut? I guess you probably could. Yeah. Because you're not getting an increase in, in salary. You're so, I mean, essentially, yeah, you are getting paid a, a fraction less than what you would be per game at least, right. but as, as a whole, you're still making, you know, a stupid amount of money. So right. um, where they're complaining about the pay, I, I could argue with them either way on that. Um, but I will say that, you know, it's not going to be that much less that they, that they would be making. 
Yeah, overall, they're going to still make the same, like you're saying. It's just an interesting aspect and why they're angry. I would assume it would be the injuries, but I've also heard players state, you know, I, I'm getting paid less per game, and, and that's a problem for me. But, I mean, fantasy football-wise, this is interesting as well because I heard rumors say that maybe perhaps the teams are going to do uh, a rest week for some of these players. They'll get the bye week, and then per- potentially they're going to rest a player for a week. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen anything confirmed in that degree since this uh, deal has been confirmed and uh, or ownership uh, voted it through. But could you imagine what this is going to do to the fantasy football community if we have to basically do two bye weeks? Um, and, and will we get notice? That's the other thing I'm sitting over here tripping about. That's the one thing I'm wondering if is, you know, how in the NBA, you know, the one thing with the NBA is that they have to, they pretty much don't give you their starting lineup until like, 15 minutes sometimes before a game, maybe 10 minutes before a game. And sometimes those star players are going to rest, you know, so you're going through your lineups and you're trying to make the right decisions and move people in and out and whatnot. And for the NFL, I can definitely see it where uh, there's going to be some issues with that because how much notice are they actually going to be giving us, you know, where we need to set lineups and whatnot, because it very well may not be until the day before the game. And obviously waivers have already cleared at that point. So whoever you wanted to pick up, probably could already be gone. So that could definitely be an issue. And then there's a lot of people I saw on Twitter complaining about um, the fantasy football playoffs. Mm -hmm. And my answer to that is it shouldn't really affect it at all because you just have your championship matchup on week in week 16 and you just Mm -hmm. back everything up a week. So that, I don't think that should be much of an issue there, but I definitely can see it where potentially, you know, two quote unquote bye weeks in the season could certainly throw a wrench into how you're managing your team. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like that part whatsoever, man, because I mean, okay, we did it with COVID. I get it. We had, you know, and that was a pain and that was a pain is right. We had injury reserve spots. I mean, I'm a commissioner in in one league and, you know, I I had to adjust on a weekly basis almost how many uh, injury reserve spots you were going to give because there's no way to alter who these guys can put on there, even if it's an injury, they're holding players, COVID they're holding players. So it's a, it was a complete nightmare, but now you're talking about a potential rest week for players, not a bye week, a rest Mm -hmm. week. And, and I really truly wonder if, if that's going to come to fruition, but I mean, everything in this deal has to be stemming from the money, from the TV deals. Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly where I think it's going with the Amazon and the Disney's coming into play buying up massive amounts, paying massive dollars. We're talking in the billions of dollars. Um, they want to see more football. And, and to me, that is the, that is a driving factor. I mean, we had the Thursday, they talked about getting rid of Thursday. You know, I, I understand the argument that the play on Thursday night football, it may not be the best because you know, the guys don't have much rest, but I mean, I still love it, man. I love Thursday football more than anyone. Yeah. And I don't think it, I mean, let's, let's be honest. The, the Thursday night games aren't as exciting to watch it's because of the matchups. It's because of the NFL creating these matchups. And I think Mm. where, excuse me, that's where, that's where the flex needs to come into play here, where you have a Thursday night matchup, you know, you already have the set, the schedule set. All right. You come into the season after like three or four weeks, that big, you know, Thursday night matchup that you thought you were going to have is kind of lackluster now because, you know, players were injured or whatever the case may be. Um, And that's where the NFL could flex another game to that Thursday night game to make it more enticing, just makes them make the matchups more exciting to watch and more people will tune into view. Yeah, totally. And I, you know what it is for me, it breaks up your week during the football season. So it's hell. Yeah, it does. Right. You get the Monday night football. I'm I love Monday night. 
then it's only you only have to wait Tuesday, Wednesday, and you're doing your fantasy stuff in those days. And then you're right around the corner. You got football on Thursday. And then again, Friday, Saturday, and you're back to football. Like, how glorious is this? Like, I love it personally. I love every ounce of it. I can deal with a couple crappy games if that is what happens. But but it's here to stay regardless, because I think Amazon took all the Thursday night football as it is anyway. So, so yeah. we're going to see we're going to see Thursday night football regardless for like whatever the next six years. And last season we were spoiled because, yes, it was COVID, but we had a football game. Every single day of the week, we had a football game at some point throughout the season. So that was just, I mean, that was just unheard of. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Wednesday, Wednesday night football, man. It was just awesome. I and like it. A, and a Tuesday afternoon at like four o'clock. It was <laughs> yeah, exactly, freaking perfect. Man. I absolutely loved it too. It was fantastic. Keeping with the NFL, man, we're hearing that Mr. Roger Goodell, Commissioner Goodell is saying that fans will be, uh, oh, I, what was he saying? It wasn't necessarily expected. They expect to have full stadiums this season um, in yep. the NFL. Are you shocked at that comment already? Only in the end of March uh, with all the COVID still happening? I am. And let's be honest, like the CDC and, and all like and the health officials of the NFL are going to have a say in how much how how much capacity a stadium is allowed to have. So, yes, it's all good and well that Goodell is coming out and, you know, doing the rah rah. Yeah, we're going to get back to normal. We're getting back to the NFL. All the fans are, are going to be coming back. Well, let's let's pump the brakes because, you know, let's see what happens over the next few months before we can start getting super excited about that. Um, I can say that I know that the, I believe all non-essential slash uh, healthcare workers, frontline workers are eligible to get the vaccine uh, here in the States at the end of April, I think. Cause that's I was looking to see when I could get mine. And I think it's mid to end of April. So yeah, by September, the majority of the United States will be, will have, will be vaccinated. You know, we'll have mm-hmm. the vaccine or, or at least everyone will be eligible to get the vaccine. Um, Goodell has already come out and said that the players, coaches, and uh, team workers are not required to get the vaccine. But I will say this, everyone that is employed by the NFL, players, coaches, staff, they all damn well better get that vaccine because that means players won't be missing games because of COVID. Right. I'm done with it. I am so done with it. I, I I sigh because I'm I'm just so sick and tired of it. Like everyone else is. I mean, it, it's time to move forward. Let's get this thing out of here. We don't want to talk about it anymore. What I want to talk about is I'm excited about Chris. It's looking even if there's no fans in the stands, mm-hmm. we are getting OTAs. We are getting in-person OTAs in April. Man, they're scheduled April nineteenth. It is glorious. Let's hope that nothing derails it because, you know, man, my favorite part of, of the spring is, is when you see the teams coming back on the field. Yes, it's in shorts. Yes, they're just learning and learning the playbook, and, and they're going to have their rookie OTAs after the NFL draft. We start to get normality back. I am so excited for normality. I thought you were going to say your favorite part about spring is that it's, it's sundress weather. But that that's that just too. me, apparently. That too. I, I like sundresses. They're nice. I do too, dude. I've got a closet that I just haven't been able to wear in months now. And I'm just freaking <laughs> wicked excited to just bust those bad boys out. Not where I was going, but that's okay. I mean wrong, wrong show. Yeah, what's that? What? Wrong show. This isn't this isn't the Kyle, the, the Sean McVeigh fan club show. No, man. That's the show down the hall, man. Oh. I got my sundresses and my, my khakis all all fucked up, kid. I'm yeah. sorry, my bad. <laughs> We'll just move right on past that because we don't like sundresses and khaki talk on the show anymore. God damn it. Well done. Well done. We got some trades though, Chris, you know, this 
Oh, 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 yeah, I know this. So, Miami and San Francisco. We, well, I wasn't shocked. I really wasn't shocked at this whatsoever. I think that the San Francisco 49ers realize they need that franchise quarterback. And I'll break down the trade. Everyone already knows, but I'll break it down. Mm -hmm. The Dolphins trade the third overall pick to San Francisco for the 12th pick and a 2021 third round comp pick they got for uh, Robert Salah and a first round pick in 2022 and 2023. That's a massive boatload amount going to the Dolphins from the 49ers. So let's break this down two ways. Let's start with the 49ers. We like we're saying, headliner. You we're breaking down all the scouting reports. We're breaking down what rookies we think are good are, are good and potentially going to the 49ers. But I mean, this is interesting to me because you can go this in, in, in many ways. So now we we believe that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the first overall pick. Now it's pick your poison with the New York Jets. Are they sticking with Sam Darnold? Are they trading Darnold? Are they going for a rookie quarterback? So is it going to be Wilson? Is it going to be Fields now after his uh, spectacular pro day? I mean, there's so many moving parts to what San Francisco has in play. Mac Jones, everyone's just tying it together because we were talking about it. It was it was the Matt Ryan effect. So yeah. and, and I, I like the comp. And I, I, we were talking earlier. I like the comp. If it's Mac Jones, uh, kind of like a similarity to Matt Ryan, I don't hate it whatsoever because the traits are very similar. But everyone is going to that same, you know, pocket passer, Kirk Cousins, you know, everything that uh, Kyle Shanahan is familiar with. But we're talking, we're, we're saying he's going to go potentially a mobile quarterback now with with a high, high ceiling. Yeah, that's something that, that Kyle Shanahan mentioned is that he was giving such high praise to all these quarterbacks in the league that are mobile, that can extend plays with their legs. And that immediately when he said that, I'm like, OK, we can take Mac Jones out of the out of the equation because. Is he, is he athletic? Sure. He has some athleticism, but not compared to these other guys like fields and and Lance and Zach Wilson to an extent as well, who may or may not be available at number three. Um, So for me, yeah, I I absolutely think that it's going to be Lance or fields leaning towards fields, especially after watching that pro day. And if I'm the jets at two, if I'm sold, if I'm, if I'm wanting to give Sam Darnold another chance and I don't want to take a quarterback at two, I'm not staying at two. I'm, I'm getting a King's ransom for that number two pick because after, after Zach Wilson's pro day, everyone is going to be chomping at the bit to try to get this kid. So if I'm the jets at number two and I don't want to go quarterback, I'm trading back. I'm getting a ton of picks to set myself up for not only this year's draft, but future drafts. And you're just, you're going there and you're going to be taking the player that you do want later on in the first round. Yeah. And I've, I've been back and forth with this so many times with the jets And I don't hate them keeping Sam Darnold. I really don't. I mean, okay, so here was the thing. I saw on Twitter how many times, you know, they're comparing that Wilson throw that we saw. Remember everyone saying it was the best throw of the offseason where Mm. he was rolling to the left. He was on his fadeaway on the back step, and he threw it down the field like 50, 60 yards, pinpoint to his wide receiver. They showed the same play uh, from Sam Darnold where he, and it was in live game where he evaded a pass rush. He was going left. He was fading back. It wasn't necessarily a 50-yard bomb, but, I mean, he still made the damn throw. And and this is the thing. It's like we harp on guys like uh, uh, Daniel Jones because of the turnover problems that they have. This right. is Sam Darnold's itch issue. But, I mean, it's got to be with the coaching staff. We know Adam Gase just sucks. I'm sorry, Adam Gase. You were a terrible play caller. And, and you ruin the man. You, you literally ruin this man. And, and for me, 
under Matt Lafleur, I or uh, Matt Lafleur's brother, excuse me. Mike. I, I I think Mike Lafleur. Thank you. I I think. Uh, you know, a drastic change can happen and we will see a progression with Sam Darnold. So I definitely wouldn't write that out for the Jets whatsoever. And and then, like you're saying, either you're building the old line at pick two or you're trading back with teams like Carolina and Denver. Yeah. And and I want to touch on the, the Darnold thing quickly is that there are a lot of quarterbacks that have had issues and they've just haven't gotten the right coaching or the right training. And a name that comes to mind quite often who has helped multiple quarterbacks um, in the offseason, including most recently Josh Allen, is the quarterback guru himself, Jordan Palmer. Mm. Like, why are, why are these young quarterbacks not going to him and saying, what's wrong with me? Fix it. Like, help, help me fix what I need to do better, what I can do better. Because we saw Josh Allen go in literally one offseason, go from being a bottom five quarterback as far as accuracy is concerned to a top five quarterback as far as accuracy is concerned. Now, yes, he was given Stefan Diggs a, a legitimate alpha number one receiver, but I mean, it wasn't just Stefan Diggs that helped turn Allen around. The work that he did with Jordan Palmer in the offseason just transformed him into the quarterback that everyone thought he could be. Maybe Palmer was wearing sundresses too. No, I, I checked. He wasn't. Oh, he wasn't. He wasn't wearing khakis either, though, I tell you that. You know, no, but see, that's it. I'm with that because it is the mechanics. Mechanics can be altered. Okay. Maybe not in every single quarterback. Mm -hmm. Maybe Darnold is the anomaly as well. Maybe he cannot be altered and maybe his game can't be fixed, but can we really sit here and say that he sucks? I really can't because he hasn't been given a fair shake. And, and I know we were talking about the Miami and San Francisco trade, but I mean, everything is, is, is hinging on the New York Jets pick to who the 49ers are going. So here's the other right. thing. If, if we flip it to the 49ers now, um, you got to think they know who they're getting at, at pick three. So it's yeah. either they're extremely comfortable with uh, Wilson and Fields, or if we're saying Trey Lance, you know, they know that either one of these guys are going to fit into the system and Shanahan's perfectly fine with either one of them. But to make a trade of this magnitude where you're giving away multiple first round picks, you got to have a guy in mind, man. And who is that guy? This is what everyone wants to know. Who is this guy? Yeah. If you're, if you're, if you're pretty much selling away that much of your future to move up to the number three pick, you know, exactly, you know, damn well who you're going to pick. Um, and you're just, and then you're just hoping that either Lawrence or Wilson, you know, falls to you. Um, and if, and I will say this, maybe, maybe Wilson isn't their guy. Maybe they're just, maybe they trade it up and they're just hoping that the jets don't take Justin Fields. I do think that it's Fields or Lance. And I take, I bring this back to, uh, this was two or three years ago in the NBA when the Boston Celtics had the number one overall pick and they made a trade with, oh crap, I don't know if it was Minnesota or another team. Um, and everyone thought that, that Markel Fultz was going to be the, the number one, just pure thing. He was a, a can't miss prospect. And that's who Boston was going to take at number one. Boston traded back to number three and ended up taking Jason Tatum, who was there. He, he was their guy. He was the guy who Danny Andrews like, you know what? Even if we kept that number one pick, we were going to take Jason Tatum. It was the draft day version of Vontae Mack. It was Vontae right. Mack or, or, you know, no matter what. Right. And that's what it was with the Boston Celtics and Jason Tatum. And I bring that back to this year's NFL draft because, you know, 
maybe Fields has been their guy all along. Maybe they traded up to three, knowing that they'd be able to get that guy that was number one or number two on their board all along. So I do think it's, I think it's down to Fields or Lance just because of that athleticism and that mobility that Kyle Shanahan has praised in, in recent months. So here's the other thing. And I agree with you. And the thing is, I was thinking about it because this is lying season, people. Like, if you don't know the NFL draft, the, the bullshit starts when you're talking what, man? Like, I want to say late February, the bullshit starts. And then mm-hmm. you start moving forward. And when we get into April, I mean, you don't believe a damn word that's coming out of these executives mouths because everything is lies, man. Everything because they're trying to posture, man. They're putting their se- themselves in a situation where they can get the guy that they covet. Realize that. So why I say that is because I think this was sleight of hand by Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch today. I really do. Go, go, go to- going to one pro day and not the other. Correct. And, okay. and, 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 and the reason I say that, because everyone believes it's Mac Jones, simply because Kyle Shanahan is look at Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not a mobile guy. I mean, he can get out the pocket, but he's not a mobile guy. And if we're talking no. about Mac Jones, he, he can get out of the pocket and run. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he has enough athleticism to do that, but he's that's not his game. And and when we talk about him going to Alabama's pro day, I really believe that it was it was Wilson or Fields that like you or uh, excuse me, Fields or Lance that they're very much uh, in love with. And, and they're saying, you know, what, we're, we're, we're done with these guys. We don't want them. And now everyone's questioning. Look, look, they're going to Alabama and they want Mac Jones. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I call lies. Lies. And I did I did see a report that said that both Lynch and Shanahan are going to be having a private workout with Justin Fields later on. So they're going to get their time with him. They're going to be able to pretty much tell him, okay, these are the throws we want you to make for us um, and kind of almost like make their own script, you know, as far as a workout is concerned. But yeah, maybe them going to, to Alabama's pro day. I mean, maybe that's getting other teams to start thinking about, okay, well, crap, maybe I need to start trading up into the, to get higher up into the draft to try to get the guy that I really want. And I mean, right now you look at New England at number 15, I guarantee you none of the top five quarterbacks right now are making it to 15, right? If you want one of those top five quarterbacks, I'm going to guarantee it right now. You're gonna have to trade up into the top 10, maybe even into the top eight, because I think Carolina gets that last top five quarterback. Yeah. And Atlanta is, 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 is a big question mark on what they plan to do. And I don't see them taking quarterback. I don't either. I I, I I don't. I, I did at the beginning, and I, now I don't yeah. really either. I thought, you know, Fields would be a guy that would work very well in Atlanta. But, I mean, with Matt Ryan, we've talked about this so many times. The Falcons are such a dysfunctional squad, but they have pieces where they can still be a win-now club. I mean, okay, granted, you're in the same division as, as Tom Brady, but, I mean, you can still move this team in the right direction. The offense is still put together very well. You get a running game on that on that offense, and I think you're fine. I really do. Julio, Calvin, you, you're fine. It's the defense that struggles, so they got to yep. put up 40 while, while your defense is giving up 38. But, but, I mean, this is such a great conversation because I think San Francisco knew the third pick. They try, I heard they tried to get up to number two, but getting to number three puts them in the, in the most position of strength, the highest position of strength, I should say, because now they are the wild card outside of Atlanta. Now the 49ers have made themselves a wild card because you don't know who they're going to pick. Now that leaves the Panthers in limbo. That leaves the Broncos in limbo because they want, they want a quarterback. Damn right. They do the Washington football team. They're probably going to be looking up. If, If one guy falls out of the top seven, you know, Washington's making phone calls. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And 
And that's the one thing that I will say with Washington. Yep, they've got Ryan Fitzpatrick as that nice little, you know, stopgap bridge quarterback, right? You have him for a year. You draft the kid that you want to take over that franchise and let him really and don't make the mistake that Miami did with with mm. Tua. You know, do not go, keep going back and forth between your rookie and, and Fitzpatrick. Let Fitzpatrick be the quarterback for that year. Let the rookie learn under Fitzpatrick and learn how to be a professional, learn how to be an NFL quarterback and go from there in year two or towards the very end of the season if you're not going to be making the playoffs. Um, But yeah, Denver absolutely could be looking at a quarterback. Carolina absolutely looking at a quarterback. So like I said, those top five quarterbacks are going to be gone in the first eight picks. Yeah, I I agree. I think we're going to see a draft like no other. And I was talking with some other friends and colleagues. I was like, you know, I really think that this uh, this quarterback class is even better than the one from Darnold and Allen and and Baker. I think that this 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 it's it's deeper. It's deeper and it's it's more elite ceiling talent. Like it's it, I, I'm so excited. Speaking of Miami now, what does Miami do? So Miami gets the picks that they got, then yep. they flip it, man. They go again. They they decide to <laughs> trade. They go with the Eagles this time. Miami goes back to six overall. They get uh, the fifth round pick, 156 selection from the Eagles in exchange for pick 12, which was the 49ers pick, and a fourth rounder, 123 overall, and a 2022 first round pick. Um, so now Philly, let's start, actually let's let's stick with Miami. I, I want to okay. talk about Miami. So they still have picks for the future. They only basically moved back now three spots while paying uh, a, a decent chunk to get Philly to move back. But now what's the play here? So see, this is an intelligent move by Miami. So all you Finns fans out there, you guys have a front office that is doing glorious and wonderful things. Because when I look at a build, a roster build specifically, go and look at the Cleveland Browns. When, when Dorsey mm. was there and how he built, he ripped it down to the bottom foundation and he started building it back up with picks and picks. And, and now look what they've done. They have the youth, they have veteran, they have picks for the future. Miami's doing exactly the same thing. Now you're signing these high token defensive free agents. You have picks in the cupboards that you're going to last for, for many years. You just went 10 and six, man, what are they doing at pick six, man? And Miami has, I think Miami should send uh, Houston a thank you note and maybe a, maybe a fruit basket for the trade that they made with Laramie Tunsil. Oh man. Uh, because that trade alone has netted them just multiple future first round picks, third round pick, and, and et cetera. So, so uh, Laramie Tunsil, well done, sir. We're um, going to build a statue of Laramie Tunsil. They should. I'm telling you. But I think what Miami does here now that they're at six, um, for, to me, it shows that they are committed to Tua, which they should be. Yep. Um, they're not going to go after a quarterback. And at number six, it's interesting because you have, the, you have Cincinnati, you know, who has a, who has a, a top pick and I'm still convinced that Cincinnati is going to go after uh, offensive linemen. I know mm-hmm. he's been, he's been mocked uh, by some sites going, you know, going wide receiver for Cincinnati, which I don't personally think it makes sense. You need an offensive line that can protect your now second year quarterback who had his leg shattered for the most part, you know, towards the end of the season, you need so, you need someone that can protect him. So I do think that Sewell is going to be that guy at left tackle for Cincinnati, which means, I do think Miami should either go offensive lineman or pass catcher. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're going to go O lineman, I can see them go with Sean Slater. If they want to go pass catcher, they're going to have a plethora of options. They can either go with Pitts at tight end, make him a wide receiver, or just run you know a bunch of twelve man personnel with Gasicki. Another option which I love, Jamar Chase. Take mm-hmm. Jamar Chase at number six. 
give Chua a big bodied, legit number one receiver. I don't hate it whatsoever. <clears throat> I'm trying to, to rationalize Miami's thought process because they still have needs. And, and this draft class isn't high on defensive edge rushing talent. Otherwise, we could, we could move into that discussion, but we can't. And they can wait on that because they, do have, they still have the 18th pick. Exactly. So they can, exactly. they can, they can wait on, on that because there is depth, you know, towards the, towards the middle to the end of the, of the round. I, I totally agree. And I think you can find that in a linebacker like uh, JOK. But what I'm, what I'm thinking of and an offensive line, you kind of made me think about it now because offensive line is a great position of need for the Miami dolphins. You got to protect your quarterback. And this is the problem. Now, everyone looks at it. Okay, it's not the sexy pick. You know, it's a wasted pick on draft night. You're excited, and your team goes and picks a big man to block your quarterback and open up holes for your running back. I get it, okay? But they're needed, and and we've seen it when a team builds in the trenches how successful they can be, a.k.a. look at what Tampa Bay did. Right. But I do love the fact that they do need more talent on this offense. I mean, two would look like, you know what? I know you said it before. I believe it was you. You said you don't want to put it in the, in the game manager kind of uh, yeah. realm, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, is he though? And, and this is the thing. He, was, he, he started out extremely fast out the gates and then it just curtailed completely. And then the coach Flores was using him as, as he quoted a relief pitcher, man. He was bringing in fits every time he was, oh, he's just going to finish the game. I agree, but could we see, caveat, could we see Jalen Waddle go to the Miami Dolphins to team back up with his boy Tua and do wondrous things? I'll be right back because I have to change my pants. Ooh. Just with that thought alone, I mean, Ooh. the two of them together, oh, mama, because, I mean, like, and for those of you who have not, who, who will be seeing our scouting report on Jalen Waddle, it's, oh, baby. Um, oh, it's right. Waddle is, is like a little Swiss army knife. He's almost like a, he's a faster Percy Harvin, you know, someone who can, who can run routes, who can play out of the backfield, who can line up in the slot. He can run out, you know, run, uh, line up on the outside. He really can do it all. Um, great hands. And, and I really wish that he would have, I, I know, understand that he's still not hundred percent healthy, which is why we didn't see him in, in either of Alabama's pro days. But it would have been so much fun to to see him run, to see him to see him run that forty, and to catch passes from Mac Jones. It would have been absolutely phenomenal. So, for me, I don't think you could go wrong with Chase or Waddle. If if whoever whoever the number one receiver is off the board, I, I'd be okay with either one. Yeah, and, and and the reason why I pose that is because I get it. Okay, Chase is that we we always say the wide receiver position needs. If you want your stud, you got to have the alpha dog, and and Chase is yeah. that guy. No question. Yep. Chase is that guy, but okay. At a lesser extent, it's Devonte Parker is, is my problem. So you sign Devonte Parker. He kind of holds that similar role without being the alpha. Right. Mm -hmm. And, yep. and for me, if you're trying to manufacture an offense that is uh, wanting to be explosive and, and don't discount Devonte Smith in this either. I mean, but that's, that's another two. Right. Right. So if, yep. if that's the way Miami's going, I wonder if Tua is going to have his his hand in the ears of all the general managers or the head of front office and, and saying, you know, get these guys. I know how to play with these guys and we can do wondrous things. So it's going to be fantastic. Miami has a, a very bright future. I know we got some uh, Patreon members who are Finns fans. So there you go. I'm shouting out your team right now. Hopefully you enjoyed that. As for Philly, let's go to Philly now. So this is interesting to me. 
they trade Carson Wentz. I tweeted about this, I think, earlier in the week. And they make a trade uh, 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 with uh, Indianapolis, excuse me, and they trade Carson Wentz. And the, and the deal states that the Eagles will get that first-round pick based on percentage of play and reaching a certain level in the postseason. Mm-hmm. So we'll just count that as that is going to happen because I don't foresee outside of injury. I don't foresee him not playing the 75% of the snaps for the Colts this year. No, so I'm giving it to him. I don't care if the league isn't, I'm giving it to him. And, and we're going to just say it's a done deal. Now they get another first round pick from the dolphins and then they're going to have their own. What does this say? If I am Jalen hurts, this is the thing. Everyone is on the hurts bandwagon right now. They show that it's, it's, it's a confidence thing now in, in, in what you did for your youngster. And I applaud the team for doing that. You're trading back now so that there is no conversation to say that the Eagles could draft another quarterback, which would be crazy anyway. But right. that, gives, that gives the youngster a lot of confidence. But now what you also did is you potentially removed the top-end wide receiver in this class going to your club when you really need one. This is a very interesting spot for the Eagles because if they do get whoever they get at, at pick 12, you have three first round picks next year. And if you're not that good this year, you're going to be potentially picking again in the top 10. Now you have three first rounders. Could we see Spencer Rattler? Uh, that's interesting because I think it, a lot of it depends on how well Jalen Hurts plays in 2021. As far as I'm concerned, though, I would not draft a quarterback next year. If I had a top 10 pick if, as the Eagles, I would not. I would stick with Hurts. I do believe in Hurts. I think that he can be their guy going forward. You just need to you need to bolster up that offensive line. You need to give him another weapon on offense at pass catcher. The defense is its own situation, um, which you can address during free agency more times than not. But I would I would use those early draft picks and build around Jalen Hurts. So tell me, what is the negative season that would force the Eagles hand to do this. If Hertz was to play poorly, what's the bar. Uh, this is kind of where I'm looking at because I, I think it'd need- have to be pretty, I think it'd have to be pretty low because I mean, I mean, look at, look at drew lock. All right. Drew lock was taken in the second round and he played what a full season, maybe combined or a yep. season and a half. 18 and, yep. and Denver's already, you know, we're hearing rumblings that they're probably going to take a quarterback in the first in their with their top 10 picks. So, right. I mean, I, I just, I don't understand that. I would think that they would give Jalen Hurts one full season, but I think it would have to be a, an abysmal type of first season for them to move on. But then again, it's Howie, okay? It's the Eagles we're talking about. So anything sure. is possible. I'm not going to rule out anything at this point. So here's the thing. As I'm well. thinking of it from a more rational um, okay. human being that has common sense. Sure. And then you have the Eagles. I understand. I completely okay. understand because yeah. common sense goes out the window in that, in that front office. But I preface that because we have seen this before and it was recent. It was the Arizona Cardinals. They drafted Mr. Rosen. They hired a brand new head coach. They let the head coach go. They kept Rosen drafted Kyler traded Rosen. Now look at them. So now here's the thing. It's almost as the NFL is complete copycat and they do this all the time. They follow one Mm -hmm. another. Now here's the staple. How many times we're seeing this now? Because Patrick Mahomes won the Super Bowl on his rookie deal. Now the now teams are understanding the quarterback is the highest paid position in the NFL. So I want to get my guy, even if it's in the first round, I got to give up multiple picks to get him. Right. 
it's worth it because now I am not uh, uh, paying the top end dollar where I can spread around to my entire team because let's face it, not everybody's Tom Brady willing to take the pay cut. And this is how they're winning championships. You build a massive monster squad with a rookie quarterback with an extremely high ceiling and you're hoping that your Super Bowl comes within year three or four and then you can still pay the guy in year five. Yeah, and again, that's where, unfortunately, where we're talking about the Eagles and they're just, just dysfunction. How they're and how dysfunctional they are when it comes to handling money and, and giving out contracts. Um, it's it's a tough situation. I feel bad for Jalen Hurts. I feel bad for Jalen Rager and Miles Sanders and and that young talent that they have. Um, again, I think I think what they need to do is really bolster up that offensive line, which was injured for, you know, they had some key pieces injured last season, yep. bolster up the offensive line add a pass catcher um, and, and set him up for success. All right. Don't allow Jalen hurts to fail because you, you failed him as far as, you know, not putting the right pieces around him. And for a young quarterback, I mean, that can just, that can do a lot of damage to his psyche and his confidence. And and then, yeah, then then maybe the Eagles would be forced in their own way to go ahead and take a quarterback next year early. But it wasn't because of the fault of Jalen Hurts. It was because that organization is going to set up the new quarterback for failure, just like they did the last one. Hmm. Interesting. And that, that's a.k.a. Sam Darnold. Same same type of shit. I mean, I mean, we're seeing this this constant turnover yeah. of these quarter. I mean, to a lesser extent, you can make almost the same argument for Drew Locke. Okay, I don't know if everyone's still. I'm kind of off the the Drew Locke bandwagon anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. But but I mean, I mean, this is this is what we're seeing. This is the trend in the NFL. I mean, if you guys don't understand, this is what is happening. They understand how to build these rosters now because you need the youthful guy. The game is morphed into full blown passing with a running quarterback with the read Mm -hmm. option. So, I mean, it's interesting. It's very interesting. And I would not. And I okay, even even you flipping it even more. So they got the three first round picks. Now the Eagles do I'm speaking of and and with all the Deshaun Watson troubles, could they get him on the cheap now if they if they think that he's going to get out of his legal troubles? I mean, right now, again, Deshaun Watson's value is certainly plummeted because of, you know, all these accusations that have been coming out and all the, the lawsuits. So, yeah, if if a team is willing to make a move for him, depending on what the outcome is of, of everything, you know, from a legal side um yeah instead of like four first round picks i bet you they could they could get him for for absolutely for three. Oh, certainly oh, easily even easily maybe two in a couple of players maybe, you know? maybe two in a couple seconds or something yeah i i could see it too but you know the eagles hedged, hedged their bets and they signed joe flacco so he could be the future uh future coming star yeah well then forget spencer rattler they got flacco come on problem solved boys Super Bowl champion Joe Flacco. He's here to he's here to serve the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a great conversation, Chris. I love it. I, I love draft time. I love everything about it. And and I mean, there's gonna be more. There's gonna be so much more happening in the coming weeks. I foresee it 100 percent Oh, it's gonna be tons more. I mean, this this is the exciting part because as we keep getting closer and closer to the draft, you're gonna potentially see more trades, you're gonna have more news, more rumors. And I mean, it's just it's uh mama. That's all it, I have to oh, say mama's right. Oh, mama. Let's just call it out. We did have some free agent signings. I mean, nothing overly spectacular, but we still have to cover them. Sammy Watkins, man. I, you know, I had to go back to this really. Do we? I had to, Matt. Okay. I had to because I, I, you know what I got to do? I got to talk about the Baltimore Ravens a little bit. Oh, gosh. These guys, they give me a headache. These and guys. I, 
you know, these guys and, and, and I don't know what it is they're doing because it's almost turning into a level of dysfunction on that squad as well on the offensive side. Here's why I say that. They had T.Y. Hilton. They had a couple other guys who they offered contracts to. Their their names vade me right now. I can't remember who else they had contracts out to. But it was T.Y. specifically that I remember. And, man, if you can help me out with the other ones, man, I can't remember who else they offered contracts to. Uh, Who, Baltimore? Yeah. Uh, Wide receiver spot. Juju Smith-Schuster, I think. Thank you. That's the other one. one. That's it was because right. it was the Ravens and the Chiefs that he turned down. That's right. So this yes. this goes to my argument is why I'm asking. Juju turns him down, goes back to Pittsburgh for less money. Mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton, the aging, injured T.Y. Hilton, yeah. got offered a big deal, bigger deal in Baltimore, turned it down, went back to Indianapolis for less money. Sammy Watkins, okay, he his his uh value hasn't been flying off the charts in in the open market. He basically took the only team that he could get the most money out of, in my opinion. He goes to Baltimore, so now this is the thing. It's not necessarily that I'm I'm, I'm angry or or saying something negative towards Sammy Watkins. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is. Why are these receivers not wanting to go to Baltimore? Is it the system A or is it Lamar Jackson B? I don't think it's Lamar Jackson. I think these players would be excited to play with Lamar Jackson. I do think it's the system. Um, I think that they see, and I think it's because, all right, and this isn't a knock on these receivers, but I do think that it's some of these, these receivers that aren't your typical alpha, you know, one a type guys, you know, they're kind of that the tier underneath those guys and Baltimore needs that alpha receiver. You know, Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson needs that type of guy because they haven't done anything to build a formidable offense around Lamar Jackson, at least from a receiving standpoint, you know, you got JK Dobbins. Great. Absolutely. You have Mark Andrews. You've got your, your stud tight end there. Awesome. But then around those guys, you have a bunch of number two receivers and you don't have that true number one. And even if Juju Smith-Schuster went to Baltimore, he's for, for me personally, he's not a true number one. Agreed. He's a complimentary receiver. So, I mean, if, if Baltimore was able to have landed like a Kenny Galladay, then yeah, then we could, we could have a little bit more of a serious conversation about that. See, and then that's my problem as well. They go on record to say, we're not going after guys. Which like blew my mind. Like why? Right? We're not why going after guys like Allen Robinson. We're not going after the Kenny Galladay's. Why are you not? So this is also my problem. So then, okay, fine. You say it's system and I can't disagree, but then are you also suggesting these alpha receivers are saying, you know what? We'd like Lamar Jackson, nothing against the guy, but can he support my level of productivity that I fully believe that I can do system or not? Or is it a combination of both? And and maybe it is a combination of, of both, to be honest with you. Maybe it's the fact that they don't trust that, that, you know, okay, hey, I'm going to run a go route and I don't know if he can actually get it to me accurately. So maybe maybe that's it. Or at least, you know, I don't know if he can actually get me the ball on a consistent level so right. that I can hit certain milestones to get certain bonuses, to sure. win awards, to help this team, you know, get to a championship. So, yeah, I, when you put it that way, I think there could be a little bit of a combination of both. See the conundrum? See the conundrum I have? I don't sleep anymore. The wheels are turning right now. I don't sleep anymore. This is all I think about is why do people do certain things they do? You know that meme where like the the husband is has his is in bed with the wife and his back is turned to her and she's like, 
Oh, I bet he's thinking about another woman right now. And it's Chris. It's yeah. Chris Chouse with a little bubble over his, his head saying, I know why these receivers don't want to go to Baltimore, but is it because of this or is it because of that? Yeah, man, this is all that's happening in my life right now. I just don't understand. You know, if you have a club that is built to win, your defense is always very powerful. Okay. They can carry your team 80% through the season. You have an electric quarterback who can run the ball with supreme efficiency. No question about it. You guys know, I, I don't bash Lamar in that sense whatsoever. But then now you start talking about the pass game and teams are figuring this out, man. I mean, when you have the read option now in the league for three years, four years, that's a, on a very consistent level. I mean, you knew that the schemes were going to finally hit it and be like, Hey, we know how to stop this. And this is kind of what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I find it very peculiar because it's not like Sammy Watkins is going to play more than nine games. I mean, let's, let's be real. He spends and that more might time be generous, in, but yeah, right. I mean, he spends more time in the medical room than, than I don't even know what analogy to use, but he spends more time in the medical room than our own Dr. Ethan, Ethan Turner, when he's looking oh, at patients. Perfect. Perfect. See, that's why we're uh, Scotty Pippins, man. We, we just nail him out, man. That's perfect. Let's move on. Jay, uh, Jaron Reed, he gets cut, man. This was surprising. The Seattle Seahawks cut the defensive tackle uh, or defensive end. I can't remember which side he plays, but this was surprising to me. So I, I read up a little bit on it, and it was more of a uh, disagreement of, mm. of term and, and system, I believe. And, and they, he decided, he says, you know, let, cut me so I can leave. They tried to trade him, but the rumor already had been out that they were going to release him. Reed is a good player. I mean, okay, he hasn't necessarily turned into the, the dominating force in Seattle that they had hoped he would have been. But this guy goes and he says, let me go. They let him go. He signs on with who? The Kansas City bloody Chiefs, man. Now he gets to go back and play with Frank Clark. He gets to play with Chris Jones. And the, and the Kansas City Chiefs now have a defensive front that is going to be devastatingly unbelievable, a.k.a. what the Tampa Bay Bucks are. Yeah, because that's exactly what Kansas City needed was another pass rusher to get after the quarterback. Awesome. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I I mean, it's hell, a great move for, for Kansas City. Absolutely. Um, I mean, there are obviously other teams that had a, a needed pass rusher there. And and who knows, maybe with Reed, you know, not being not reaching that level of potential in Seattle that they had hoped for. Maybe kind of like that secondary role is exactly what he needs, you know, stays fresher, doesn't play as many snaps and and can, you know, keep that energy, you know, every time that he is on the field and he doesn't have to worry about getting fatigued so quickly by being an everyday and every down back or sorry, every down player. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I agree. I mean, I, I think the move was fantastic. It was, it was on a decent money again, one year deal, but I mean, joining with Jones and Clark, and then now you still got Tyron. This, this just opens up everything for Tyron Matthew to be even more dominating because now your front line is going to start attacking quarterbacks and not having any double teams. I mean, it's just an unbelievable play. Geno Atkins. Subsequent move by the Seattle Seahawks. They let Reed go, and then they lock up Geno Atkins to, I believe it was $16 bucks over a couple seasons. This was a must move for me in Seattle because, I mean, God, man, how long have we been talking about the, their lack of pass rushing presence on that team? Yeah, and I mean, well, let's be honest. When's the last time we really heard Geno Atkins, you know, when his name being, you know, in, in that kind of a conversation? Because I can remember 
years ago with, I mean, it was pretty much when you're talking about like one and two top defensive tackles in the league, you're talking Marcel Darius of the bills and Geno Atkins of the Bengals. Like those were, they were yep. the staples of defensive tackles in the NFL and Atkins. I feel like he's kind of fallen off over the last few years, but again, in the right situation, you know, not only is he someone that can rush the passer, but he was one of the more formidable run stoppers in the entire league for years. Yeah. And what is he like 31? There's still yeah. lots of, there's still lots of tread on those tires. And I, I like the deal. I like Atkins, excuse me, in Seattle. I think it's a, I think it's a great move, but do I got a good one for you, man? This is going to be, oh. you know, we were gonna, We were going to do breaking news on this signing because it was, it was just unbelievable. You ready for this? Oh gosh. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Let's I, go. I don't think you're ready, man. I don't think you're ready. Prepare yourself. I'll make myself ready. You're ready. Okay. Kalen Balage, man. He goes and signs <gasps> with the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is breaking news. This is RB1 fantasy football. Right? Do not tell people to use the 101 on Kalen Balage, whatever you do, because <laughs> it was coming. I, I know it was coming. 101. Use the 101 on Kalen Balage because you know you won't regret it. He's gonna and win thank you your fantasy. later. Yeah, thank, thank me later. <laughs> Why'd you name drop me, man? Don't name drop me. <laughs> Because you're taking blame for it. You're, you have to be accountable for your actions, I sir. I am not accountable because I was just kidding, but we got a touch, man. This was, I don't even know what this move is, man. You 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 let James Conner go for, for Balazs. So this has to be the Pittsburgh Steelers drafting a running back. And dare yeah. I say, dare I say, they don't do it in the first round and they go Javante in the second round. I would be... A okay with that. I mean, you you take you take Javante Williams in the in the second round. And again, for those of you folks who haven't seen, gone over to Headliner U to watch that scouting report, do it because we have glowing reviews on that young man. Shameless um, plug. Absolutely. But I will say this because you have a couple of running backs that potentially could go at the end of the first round in Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. And then you have arguably the RB2, RB3 of the draft and Javante Williams. He's probably obviously not going to go in the first round, which I couldn't make an argument. I could, I could absolutely make an argument if a team did take him in the first round, Absolutely, but he's certainly going to most likely be a, a second round guy and not get past the second round. Um, so if the Steelers were to use that second round pick on him, I mean, as long as they're willing to actually commit to the run game in 2021, as opposed to this past season, it's a great situation for him. It's it's that zone blocking scheme that he did he had in North Carolina where he absolutely thrived. He and Michael Carter both. And here's the thing. I don't even know if I'd be upset with them taking him. Where are they picking? 19? Yeah. I wouldn't be upset about that. If I that's think their guy, absolutely. Like if if Harris isn't their guy, ETN isn't their guy, you know, I'm more than okay with that because there are a lot of people right now that are moving Williams up to their RB1 spot and I do, honestly, for me personally, I don't think there's enough of a gap in between the top three running backs in this draft right now where you can say, okay, this guy has to go first. This guy has to go next. And then you can take the other guy. Like, no, you can take them in any order you want because they all have very different skill sets that can help whatever team is going to take them as early as they may. Very well said. And I mean, for me, I think it's Etienne's the odd man out for Pittsburgh because he just doesn't fit their scheme. As, okay. as well as, as Najee does and as well as Javante does. 
But when it comes to Javante, if they can get him in the second round, he is Pittsburgh, man. I mean, even maybe even more than Najee is. I think he just fits into the the black and yellow, man. The black and yellow, black and yellow. It's that but it's I mean, that toughness, like the how yeah. how tough he runs, the way he finishes the runs, you know, just lowering his shoulder, initiating contact. Like he is that he is that blue collar, just I'm gonna put my hard hat on and I'm gonna go to freaking work. Yeah, right. And it's like yeah. the chip on that shoulder. Perfect in Steel Town, man. I mean, I, I love it. I think, you know, I'm not a Steeler fan whatsoever, but I mean, if we're talking upside galore for fantasy football and, and Javante Williams goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, I'm buying up every share I can. I'm pushing your mama out of the way to get that share of Javante. Oh, giggity, giggity, goo. Yeah, I just said it. You want to cover mom? these pros? Whose mom are you pushing out of the way? Your mom. Damn it. Respectfully. What did she ever do to you? <laughs> Nothing. That's why I say respectfully. <laughs> oh, man. Justin Fields and Mac Jones. You want to touch on their pro days a little bit? I know you did drop a, a couple of the breaking videos. Let's touch on these guys because yeah. I was I was interested um, in, in Fields Day more than Mac Jones because for me, we, we covered a lot of, of Justin Fields tape. We, we know his game extremely well. Mm-hmm. And and the things about Fields game that kind of went astray was exactly the same thing that I saw on film. And it was those sideline passes going astray and sailing. That still was the concern. And, and again, but what I witnessed, it is it is definitely a velocity issue. He doesn't know how much to take off the ball as opposed to it just being an inaccurate pass because he's very accurate. But like you said, man, we when he started lighting it up in that second half of that pro day, what was going on, man? It was fireworks. Dude, those deep balls that he was throwing were just, I mean, it, they were sights of beauty. It was a great thing to watch. And it's interesting because halfway through his pro day, we were all messaging in, in the group. And I kept saying, I was like, I was like, I want to see him throw more outside, you know, more, more of those out routes to the sideline, more of those deep posts and whatnot. And we didn't see him until, until we finally did start to see them, you know, towards the, the second half of his, of his throwing session. But that's where he started missing because that's what we saw on tape was that the, that inaccuracy going towards the sideline where we wanted to see more consistency. And unfortunately that was one area of, of his game that he did not clean up. Yeah. But then when he saw the deep balls, you know, and it was, remember I said in, in that, in that scouting report, I said, you know, I really want to see Fields do it going left. And it, it, I didn't say he couldn't do it. I wanted to really, really see it. And mm-hmm. seeing it in shorts, okay, there's no defense coming at him. So this is why. You need to be making all of these throws. Every single one should be made. Man, when he pulled the trigger, when he rolled left, he squared up a little bit, and he just chucked that thing like 60 yards. And, and it was caught on point. So it was, it was actually the same throw that – Zach Wilson made in his pro day that Darnold had made in a, an actual game because both Wilson and fields had the same quarterback coach or trainer for their pro day. Mm. And so they took a lot of, a lot of throws from Wilson's pro day, implemented them into, into fields uh, pro day as well. And so you saw a lot of the same throws, but that one that you're talking about where he rolled out to his left, squared those shoulders and just fired that thing. Down. I mean, it looked I don't want to say it looked effortless, but it looked freaking effortless. Like it made, it made me feel like, oh, I could go out there and do that. And then I actually go out there out and do it. And I throw it like six yards Yeah, and I, and I tear my rotator cuff. <laughs> yeah. And your shoulder needs surgery and, and your yeah. elbow is gone. You have Tommy Oh, and my John hips problem. dislocated too. Awesome. Hip dis- yeah. Yeah. I dr- I probably would have pulled an ACL, but I mean, 
but I will say that I was much more impressed walking away from Fields, uh, his pro day, as opposed to Jones. Yeah. And I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to judge a guy's future or his NFL, you know, career off of a pro day. Like I'm, I'm, I just, I'm not going to do that. I don't put a ton of, I don't put a ton of emphasis on the pro day itself. Like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, kind of your last audition for NFL teams. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you, for the most part, you have, you know, tapes and tapes and tapes of, of material to study, to see what a player is actually going to, what, what he's actually going to look like. And I think with Jones, more of his strengths are on that tape because of what he, what he offers a team, you know, on the field, as opposed to in a practice session. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and, and it's, so, I mean, I comped, I comped fields as, as a, as a better Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. And then I started seeing the comps flying out for Jones being like Matt Ryan. And I don't hate the Matt Ryan comp because he is that pocket guy because he can, he's got a good arm. Um, he he'll let the, he'll let the deep ball get away from him. And we saw that today at the pro day. And I love your point saying, you know, the pro day isn't going to sway me this way or that way, because if you're a film watcher, like we are, you, you already know what you're getting this to me, a pro day to me is, is number one fun for entertainment purposes for, for the casual fan Two, it's, it's for guys like us who we sit and evaluate and, and what I really want to see. Okay. This is the thing with a pro day. It is all scripted. Okay. He knows every single throw that he's supposed to make. Number one, that is the number one key to this. There is no defensive pressure. You're not in pads. You're in shorts in the optimal situation. No weather under a dome. You should be making at least 90%, 98% of these throws. And if we see that your talent is that elite, this should be a cakewalk. And what you're doing is just confirming that to the scouting public that you are that good, no matter the scene. That's it. Yep. That's and, and, and in 2020, uh, Mac Jones had a really low a dot, which is an average depth of target. Like he wasn't someone that was slinging the ball 15 yards down the field on average. He was averaging eight yards, you know, per, per, per attempt here. So the one thing with him, what he tried to do, like, this is my perspective of what he tried to do in the pro day was overcompensate and show all the coaches. Like, Hey, I know you don't, you didn't see it a lot on film, but I can chuck it down fields. Mm. And he, that's where we saw him miss on a lot of those deep balls was, you know, that 20 plus yard pass except for when Devonte Smith was the, was the wide receiver and he just came down and caught everything. So, <laughs> but one stat, a few stats that kind of, I want to throw out there with Jones for those who are saying that maybe he can't throw it super deep. All right. He threw a 59% completion rate on passes of 20 yards or more, which was only second to Zach Wilson out mm-hmm. of all major college quarterbacks with a minimum of 40 passing attempts. He was also one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football. I believe top five, when he's under pressure, he completed 57% of his passes when under pressure. So this is someone who has poise in the pocket, can make the right reads. He goes through his progressions faster than any other quarterback in this year's class. Agreed. And the other thing I love about him is the pre-snap reads. He's able to really decipher and look at that defense of what they're going to do. And that's when he can make his decisions before the snap, which means he doesn't have to improvise as much as maybe some of these other quarterbacks who do have that athleticism. Right. I love those points. And that goes to the point of how good he is as a leader and a locker room guy. So when you're drafting Jones, this is what you're getting. You're getting a bona fide leader to take over your club. 
and and they're going to tailor the system around him. What he did today in his pro day was typical West Coast style throws, man. It was the the quick eight yard ins, the the outs on the sideline, like the, the shallows from the running backs coming out. We saw Najee catching like eight balls today in this in this practice, and and, and it just shows because he was who was at who was at the pro day today, Mr. Kyle Shanahan. He runs that West Coast style, and and they were dictating what he wanted them to see that I can run in your pro style offense. So this is what I'm saying about the pro days. You got to take it with a grain of salt. And when we see Twitter go uh, uh, on fire, like, like they, they did to one of our boys there with Jake talking about, you know, you're out of your mind and this, that, and the other, because he made an opinion saying that Justin Fields is that good. Well, we already know he is and mm -hmm. people uh, criticizing it because he's saying it's a potential that, you know, the Jags could take him first overall. And that's not, that's not far fetched whatsoever. Yeah. And all those, you know, fake tough guy keyboard warriors can just stuff it, stuff it, just stuff it. You want to come at our boy, Jake, you fucking come through us first. That guy. Boom. That's all I got, man. That's all I got. It's been a good day. It's been a darn good day. It's been a busy day, but it's been a darn good day. I mean, heck, when your day is full of football, I mean, you can't really complain. No, it's a great day when it's football and we're putting out videos, man. That's great. I love it. And more to come, man. We, you know, this is, you know, this is the opportunity where we get to just, you know, let things out on the podcast, uh, things that are bugging us, things that are there. I always enjoy it, man. Always enjoy it. Absolutely. And it's great because I mean, heck, we are less than one month away from the NFL draft right now. So like I said earlier, you guys, there are going to be more rumors flying around, you know, some of it's a lot of smoke just to kind of build up some hype. But we're probably going to see more trades over the next few weeks as well. And so when those happen, we're going to be hitting you with them. The free agency market obviously has slowed down quite a bit. But again, there are teams that are probably going to be making some moves to try to get some, you know, gain some draft positioning here to get their guy. So um, and we have more pro days coming up, you guys. So make sure you're tuning in to Headliner U. Subscribe to the channel, like the videos, drop us a comment or two if you like. Uh, but we have some big pro days coming up. Uh, or just over the next few days, and we will be covering each and every one of them over at Headliner U. Definitely, definitely. We are there to stay. Hope you guys come along for the ride. Hint, hint, we got giveaways coming up pretty pretty soon, so stay tuned for those. Uh, you're going you're gonna to like what we got to give. So They're not jelly beans, are they? Please tell me they're not jelly beans. Oh, yeah, you don't, you don't like jelly beans. Yeah, I can't stand all, that garbage. It's, it's, it's all such, jelly beans. It's terrible. All jelly beans, man. This like, I don't know how, I don't know how Jake can have such a, like, inappropriate relationship with those things <laughs> i'm sending you a big bag of jelly beans tomorrow i'm gonna send you a big kick to the junk boom we'll close it out on that note man so on that note that is the show thanks so much for tuning in you can find me on twitter at chris underscore fh1 you can find chris on twitter at chris kennedy 318 to all the listeners thank you for all the support we truly appreciate you on behalf of chris thanks again for listening until next time stay safe and be kind to each other i'm out Thank you.